This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Blessed 2020 for those who have not been with us yet so far this year. Just going to be an awesome year. So, uh, yes, good coffee is coming our way. And uh, was in this week, I was... Uh, Walking there by a, past a coffee shop, and I bumped into an old gym partner of mine, who's an atheist and uh, doesn't really believe in God. and And so we bumped into him, and he was just going into this coffee shop because he like does coffee shops. and I said, "Oh, going to the coffee?" Yeah, he says, "No, he starts his day with coffee." And I said, "Do you know what coffee stands for?" <laughs> Christ offers forgiveness for everyone, everywhere, and he awkwardly smiled at me. <laughs> oh, I had to do my little bit there. So whenever it's a great, it's a great start, uh, conversation starter to, to share with somebody about Jesus. Amen. Do you need some coffee? Do you need forgiveness? <sighs> okay, so um, last week I, I shared about how to overcome in this year. And I, I shared that, uh, so I'm going to recap quickly, but uh, a few, first Monday, last week Monday, when we started off at the office, had a good holiday, and I was really battling on that Monday, because I was like asking myself this question, uh, why am I doing this again? <laughs> you know, I was having a, a one-day midlife crisis. It lasted a whole day. And I was like, why do we do this again? Why do we do church? And why do I do what I do? You know, it's like I just had to like, Remind myself, and I, I, was, I was really wrestling, you know, until the next morning when I felt the Lord spoke to me about this year and the purpose, the, the vision, the plan for this year. When I heard the Lord, the Holy Spirit say to me, this is the year of God's presence. It like instantaneously shifted me from a place of, I have no idea what I'm doing, to now I know it's about Him. It's about His presence. It's about dwelling in His presence. He is the ultimate reward in life. And in that very moment, I shifted from having a midlife crisis to energized, focused, let's do this. Because I love Him. I love to be in His presence. You know, and I, and I realized in that moment, it's like I, I caught the vision. I felt the vision. It's like suddenly I, I was energized and man, I'm, I'm in it. Let's do this. And that is the power of vision. You know, so I want to share these two Sundays. We're going to talk about vision. But that is the power of vision is that when you see it, when you feel it, a heavenly vision, it, it just moves you. It moves you. It moves us. And, and, and the Bible says that you know, when, when, when people lack vision, you know, the Lord said, my people perish for a lack of vision. And others, when we're not seeing it, when we're not feeling it, and we're like, why am I doing this again? Whether it be church, or whether it be your marriage, it's like you wake up one morning and you're like, why am I doing this again? <laughs> With this one? You know? <laughs> it, uh, it tends to, uh, cause us to be led astray. We, we tend to lose our way 
when we lose the vision, the focus, especially the heavenly vision, the question of why am I doing this? You know, so these two Sundays, I want to answer this question, why, why do we do this? Why are we getting together? Are we, it's like you've got nothing better to do on a Sunday, so we want to keep you busy. You know, is, is, is that what it's about? No. <laughs> and, and, and some of us might, might wonder, why am I coming to this church? What, is, what, is, what makes Shofar East London different than some of the other churches in town? There's no competition, but every church has a unique mission from the Lord. And, and, and so I want to share a bit about that over these two Sundays. So do you know the why? Do you know why, why you're doing this? Do you know why you're coming to this church? Do you know why you're doing life? You know, do you, are, are you energized? Are you focused? Are you f- seeing it and feeling it? Are you in it, on, focused, living because you're seeing it and you're feeling it? Or are, have you sort of gone astray? You're like, midlife crisis. Why am I doing this? You know? So I want to I wanna answer that question. What is the vision? What is the heavenly vision? You know? What, what has God been, what, what are we about? Now you can, get, um, you can get fleshly vision. In other words, it's something that's earthly, it's not of God necessarily, it's not of heaven, but you're very excited about it. But it's earthly. It's like, it's about making a name for yourself. Or, I mean, as a pastor, the, the vision could be a big church for myself because I want to look good. You know, maybe we want to make a name for ourselves. We want to impress people. Or, 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 you know, it's easy to, to have a fleshly motivation. But that doesn't produce the fruit. So I want to remind us this morning that Shofar is London is birthed of God by His Holy Spirit. He led a bunch of us to come here to, to do this. And he, he's been building this house. This church belongs to Jesus. He is the head. He is the leader. As the rest of us, the leaders in the church, we, we're just trying to follow him. We're trying to keep up. Jesus, what are you doing? Where are you leading us? What are you wanting to do? You know, and I'm saying this because I want to remind us. And I want to remind myself. This belongs to him. He has a beautiful plan. He wants to impact lives. He wants to change lives. I remember when Sonic and I came here about 11 years ago, you know, as we started off at Lavender Blue and, you know, not so many people and, and I was driving through town. I'm looking at church buildings and I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> There's more than enough churches in East London. Why am I here? You know, I was so intimidated. I was wrestling. I'm like, is this going to work? What am I doing? I'm obeying Jesus. Lord, you said, and so we are here. And as we were walking with the Lord, God began to reveal to us more and more of His plan and of what He is wanting to do. You know, so I'm trusting that this morning, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you, that God's going to stir you, that you're going to catch the heavenly vision, not a man vision, not an earthly vision, but a heavenly vision. Okay, so our mission that we presented about a year ago, so uh, it says, together living out the fullness of Christ. That's the mission. We want to together live out the fullness of Christ 
you know? And I'll, I'll expound on that as we go, especially next week. But I want to sort of start off with, how can you live out the fullness of Christ if you don't have the fullness of Christ? How can you give something that you don't have? You, you can't. You know, and we want to, I mean, this is what burns in my heart. I want to see multitudes turn to Jesus. I mean, Jesus died for every man, every woman, every child on the face of the planet. Jesus wants everybody to be saved. Everybody to, to turn to Him. But the question is, how? How? Okay, Lord, how? How are we going to reach people for you? How will lives be transformed? God, how? And I believe the answer is simple. The fullness of God in the house, in our homes, and in our hearts. So you want to know what the vision is of this church? Christ. The fullness of Christ. Not just a watered-down version of Jesus. The fullness of Christ is revealed in the Scriptures. The vision is Jesus. Are you seeing Him? Are you feeling it? Feels like Soccer World Cup again. Feel it, it is here. <laughs> but I know, and you might ask me, how do I know this? But I know that when God is tangibly, fully in our midst, multitudes will turn to Christ. How do I know that? Acts chapter 1 and 2. Acts chapter 1 and Matthew 28, Jesus gives the great commission. He says, guys, go out into the whole world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Make disciples of the world of nations. Teach them what I've taught them. He gave the command. And then in Acts 1, he says, guys, I'm going away. Yes, I know you're sad. But I'm sending you out. But before I'm sending you out, go to Jerusalem and wait. For the outpouring of the Spirit. For my tangible presence to come into your midst. And so 500 at first at his ascension, they faded. A lot of them faded. 120 left behind in the upper room. United, praying, seeking. Say, God, we have no idea what you're doing, but do it. We desire you. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit in, in all of His glory descends like a mighty, glorious wind. God came into the house. The result, thousands turned to Jesus. They didn't do much, the disciples. They didn't run around so much. They were just, God, you! And then God came through the Holy Spirit. And then thousands turned to Christ. You know, and I believe that is the... What? That is the vision. God, we want you. Just you, God. All of you, God. Not just what, I, you know, what we've experienced in the past, God. All of you. And that's why I was so moved by when I heard this promise from the Lord saying, this is the year of my presence. So we're going to step out a bit. We're going to, you know, every time we do, like we come into the front, we have no idea what we're doing, but we are trusting the Holy Spirit to lead us, to open the way for more of Him to come in. You know, so the presence of God. Now the question is, how? <laughs> how are you and I going to embrace the vision? There's this prerequisite, and this is why I want to 
start off with Psalm 133, verse 1, 2, 3. Some people prayed it this morning in the prayer meeting, just want to say, you hear from the Lord. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How good. It is good. It is pleasant. When we dwell together in unity, there's something, the impact of embracing a vision, a heavenly vision, is that we become one. And it says it is good and it is pleasant. Come on, say it is good. Come on, say it is pleasant. Yes. Because when there is unity, it is a safe space. I always compare it to a marriage. You know, when a marriage is divided, it's not a safe space. It's painful when there are people missing one another. Division. But when we're united, it's a safe space. And it says it, it pleases God. It is pleasant to us, and it is pleasing to God. You know, our Heavenly Father is a dad. You know, and all the parents in the house, you will know when two of the kids are fighting. It's like, you know, it disturbs the atmosphere in the house. It's not fun. People are crying and fighting. It's not, it's, it's not fun. And so a loving parent would say, you two play nice. And the same way Father God comes to all of us and he says, my children, please, please, please play nice. <laughs> it is pleasant to you and it is pleasing to the Father. When we dwell in unity, it is good. It is pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. Come on, say unity. The disciples in the upper room, the 120, they were in unity. And so the presence of God was drawn. God is drawn to the place of unity. Look at this next verse, verse 2. It says, it is like the precious oil upon the head. Now, oil represents, the anointing represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, part of the Trinity. The precious oil upon the head. Man, this was good. Now, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down the edge of his garment. There was serious anointing happening here. You see, and there's power in the, in the anointing, power in the presence of God. But what it says here, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren brothers and sisters in Christ to dwell together in unity, for there, there will be an anointing. There, the presence of God is drawn. God is drawn to a united marriage. God is drawn to a husband and wife that are one. So powerful. God is drawn to a life group that are united, that we've invested in one another and we're contending for one another's hearts and unity. God's drawn to that place. God is drawn to, to a church that is united. I believe God is looking right now, all over the world, is looking for, for unity. For people who love one another well and are one. God is drawn to such a place. The anointing breaks the yoke. The presence of God is what changes lives. But there needs to be unity. Where there is unity, people tend to grow exponentially in a church where there's unity. It's like the soil is fertile. It's like things grow, yeah. Unity. Come on, say unity. And unity is so critical. You see, what happens at times is when, when, when you and I have a responsibility to manage 
our internal atmosphere. We are called to manage the unity. In a marriage, you have to invest. And you have to be humble. Because you have to forgive. And you have to humble yourself. And you have to, 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 to invest time. And you know, so if you want a beautiful marriage, you need to invest. And you need to walk humbly. In the same way, in a life group, you need to walk humbly. Because the leader of the facilitator of the group might not do it like you want to do it. Same with you know, wives. You might want to lead the marriage differently. But he's the man. So you need to humble yourself. And the man also needs to humble himself. When he stuffs up and says, I'm sorry. Me again, you know. But there's this, this journey that you have to fight. You have, you, you have to fight for unity and you have to fight for your heart, for your internal atmosphere. And in the same way, in a church like this, you and I have a responsibility to fight for our hearts. The enemy's going to come for your heart. He's going to say things to you about the pastor because he wants to, he wants to get you offended. He wants you to disconnect from your life group because, ah, oh, they don't care. And he wants to disconnect you from, you know, areas where God wants to bring a blessing. So be aware, the greatest scheme of the enemy is division. That's his plan. Because he knows that when there's division, the kingdom of God cannot come. It cannot come. God commands a blessing where there's unity. But... And look at this, verse 3, it says, It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there, come on, say there. The, there, where? There, where there's unity, where there's humility, where there is forgiveness and grace and love, and we choose to humble ourselves and, 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 and love one another well. God is looking for those places, those marriages, those life groups, those churches, and He's saying, there I command blessing." Life forevermore. Blessing. Come on, who wants to be blessed? Amen, we want to be blessed. But there's a journey to it. There's a fight for that blessing. A fight for our own hearts and for the hearts of those around us. And then the opposite is that if there is division, what's the result? A curse. It's like the enemy floods in. It's like, like hey, sign up. Outside your house, outside a church that's divided. Sign up, say, devil, come and stuff us up here. You know, because the door is wide open. Unity. God commands a blessing where there's unity. You know, and I realize it's one thing for me to talk about vision. But for some of us, you might have been hurt in church. Maybe this church. Maybe a previous church. And you're carrying some stuff that is possibly going like, oh, I don't want to hear about vision. You know, I'm so over vision. You know, and, and you're carrying something with you that's actually keeping you from stepping into a place of unity. Offense affects our hearts. It, it uh, you see, it, it disconnects us from the Lord and then it disconnects us from the people around us. We sort of build up this wall or this fence around our hearts and then we miss out on real, real relationships. So I feel this morning God wants to, to set in us free to come and heal some of us of uh, these things on the inside. You see, offense isn't given, it's taken. So choose not to take it. You know, so um, it's happened a few times where something would happen to me and my wife. And, 
And it's not something big, you know, normally it's small things, that we, you know, you fight about small things. And I remember one time I was, I was just, I was about to take the fence, and, uh, <laughs> and then I, I, I this, these thoughts ran through my head, saying to me, saying to myself, Andre, just grow up. Get over it, a small issue, get over it. Grow up. You know, because it, it takes maturity to not take the offense and to love the other person and to move forward. You know, so I want to call us today to a, to a higher level of maturity. Maybe your spouse has hurt you. Maybe the opposite gender, ex-boyfriend, girlfriend, or maybe somebody at work, or maybe a leader, or maybe a church leader, or maybe a boss, or maybe someone has disappointed you. Because that's the key, disappoint. That's the offense. You say, no, I'm not offended. I'm just a little bit disappointed. You're offended. You're carrying around the fence, and it's stuffing up lives. You see, you're not yourself. So uh, I shared this, some of this last year as well, but there was a point at, uh, last year where I, in, with, a, with a wider church group, man, I, you know, when you want to change, bring changes to like 60-plus churches, and you have pastors who stand on their, their ways, it can be challenging. So I was uh, pushing some changes and very excited, and you, I was taking shots, man. I was getting criticisms, phone calls, and emails, and you know, there's like 60 people that can communicate at one time, so it's painful. And at some point, I can't take this anymore. I'm like, I'm, I went over my limit. I went over my capacity. I, I, my heart is, is it's wounded. I'm, when I think about that guy, and that guy, and that guy, I'm like, Ugh. you know? And I'm like, something's not lacking. And then we had one prayer meeting the one time at our house. And, and suddenly I was just like sharing, but I was like not sharing from a place of peace and joy. Suddenly I was sharing from a place of, of frustration and anger. And I realized after that evening, I was like, whoa, 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 something's wrong. My heart got wounded. And the result is that when your heart gets wounded, you're not yourself. You don't respond as you should, and you make things worse. So in that time, I had an apostolic team meeting, a video meeting once a month. We have a video call meeting with about eight or so of us. And and in the middle of that, I was like, now I have this meeting. I need to go, and I engage on this video. And I told myself, I cannot trust myself now. I, I'm, I'm carrying a fence. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something stupid. Because I'm not, I don't have my peace. I don't have my joy. I'm not feeling well on the inside. And so I just told the guys, guys, I am not feeling well. <laughs> I am upset about these things that were said. And it wasn't major. It was just a few guys. But I tell you, two or three people that criticize you, it hurts you. They've, they've done studies. They say most pastors resign from churches because of no more than six to seven people. They were criticizing them and giving them shots. No more than six or seven. So it feels so intense, even if it's just one person or two people. And then suddenly it overwhelms your life and you're carrying the fence. And now you're hitting everybody else with it. So how's your heart? How's your heart? Because if you, if you get offended in your marriage, you can no longer relate to your partner in the way that you should. You're going to act like an idiot. And, you, and he's going to say, yep, yep, she is a little bit weird. And he's right. You're offended. We, we're not ourselves, and then we bite. 
And uh, it's not fun. So how's your heart this morning? How's your heart when it comes to, to, to church? Show for his London or church in general? Have you been hurt? Have you been disappointed? Have you taken up an offense and that's actually impacting you? You know how many times people come to our church here and it's just, it just doesn't work? <laughs> and they think it's us. And I say, oh, you're carrying a fence, my bro. You're carrying a fence. <laughs> you're messing up everything. <laughs> you are the problem. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> Grow up. Time to be mature. Time to not take the, the offense. It's time to become a better you. But you have to ask the Lord to heal your heart. Okay, so at the end of the service, we're going to pray for that, for healing to our hearts. Now, I want to just quickly share a little bit of, a, of the journey of us as a church. I want to take us to Ephesians 4, verse 11. A bit about our vision. How does this look? What does this look like? The fullness of Christ. When we're saying the vision is the fullness of Christ, what does this look like? So in 2012, some of you should know the story. We're really trusting God for, for healing of, of my wife, three years of insomnia and, and, uh, and, and so forth. And, and so we were pursuing God, like, God, we need the power. We need your power. We, God, we need healing. You need to heal my wife. You need to heal other people in church. And so I was just on one, one mission, God, healing. I want people to be healed. Because I wanted my wife to be healed. And I was just moved by that. And then at, in 2013, God started to heal people. And so we were just going for, I was like, healing. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer. Almost every service. I was just, Jesus is the healer. And, uh, and around May 2013, around there, the, the Lord said to me, spoke to me and said, stop. And he said to me, I'm like, Lord, no, this is it. This is it. You heal. And the Lord said, no, there's more. I'm not only the healer, there's more. And so at the end of 2012, I went to a, a church, a different church meeting, and I was in this prophetic, uh, walked into this area where five people were praying for me, and, and then they started to prophesy o- o- over my life. And it absolutely rocked my world. A defining moment of my life where they prophesied that so much of the fivefold ministry rests upon your life and a whole lot of other things that it, that, that's resting on my life. And so I, I walked out of that prayer meeting, out of that time of prophecy, and I, I, I remember just falling to my knees and just weeping and weeping and weeping. The presence and the power of God was on me. God was like saying to me, Andre, this is of me. <laughs> this is what you just received. And so I started to search the scriptures. And the Lord took me to Ephesians 4 and other parts of the Bible. And the Lord started to speak to me about the five-fold ministry. Let's look at Ephesians 4, verse 11. It says, And he himself, that is Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Is the fivefold ministry needed? To equip the saints, to equip us. All across the world, there are apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Men and women who are Chosen by God and given special grace, apostolic grace, prophetic grace, pastoral grace, teaching grace, evangelistic grace. And they have been given these, this, this anointing to equip the saints 
to equip you and me. Okay? That's very important to understand. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, for the building up of the body of Christ. Till what? Verse 13. Till we all come to the unity. Come on, say unity. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. In other words, every one of the fivefold ministers receive 20%. If it's maximum prophetic, it's 20% of Christ. Maximum apostolic grace is 20% of Christ. Together, it's the fullness of Christ. The next verse says there, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so who wants the fullness of Christ? The fullness, not, not just a partial Jesus, not just a little bit of Jesus, the whole deal. The whole deal. You know what's currently happening in, in the church world is there's a, a anti-supernatural move. A whole bunch of churches like we are anti-supernatural. And then if you read, there's the miracles are no longer for today. And if you even read a little bit further and listen to the things, then you discover that one of the main things that they are saying is that the fivefold ministry is no longer for today. There are no apostles anymore. There are no prophets anymore. That is faded away. So we find with pastors, teachers, and evangelists, but woo, apostles and prophets, they've got an issue with that. And yes, modern day apostles cannot rewrite scripture or write scripture. They're not like the original apostles. But there's no scripture in the Bible that says that this isn't relevant anymore. It is still for today. Otherwise, we cannot come to the fullness of Christ and when the saints cannot be equipped. Okay, so the Lord started to speak to me. You can maybe put on the mountain, the um, mountain image. So, you see at the top there, the fullness of Christ. That's like the glory of God. At the top of the mountain. The fullness of God. The fullness of Christ. You know, but then they, we need the, 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 those five components. We need a pastoral anointing in the house. We, not, we need, you know, I, I believe there are five rivers of the anointing or five anointings um, that, that are flowing. And if we position ourselves in those rivers, then we experience it, the fullness of Christ. So we need the pastoral, the teaching, the evangelistic, the prophetic, and the apostolic. We need all five. So we want to build this church around the fullness of Christ if we want the glory at the top. So we want to build up these fivefold ministry cultures. We want a culture, pastoral culture, evangelistic culture, teaching culture, etc. And if you... Look on this, there's a, give you an overview, the fullness of Christ is where it's written the five parts, the five uh, apostle, apostolic, prophetic, etc. Yeah, so the fullness of Christ, this is our ministry model, this is what we're aiming at, this is how we want to do church. You see, most churches focus on maybe two or three of the fivefold ministry. we like, no God, we want all of it. We want all of it, why? The apostolic in very short is God is powerful. It unlocks faith, but Jesus Christ is still powerful. He has not changed. We don't worship a God that was powerful 2,000 years ago. He is still powerful. Amen. We, we, we worship a God who is present, the prophetic. He is present, and in His presence we hear His voice. Then, He's a relational God. What is the point of having miracles, 
or the presence of God, but our relationships fall apart. No, he's a relational God, teaching God who is truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am. And then eventually God, he's a God who saves. So we want to build the church around all five. You can just quickly put up the slide just of my book. For those who are new, you're welcome. In my book, Increasing Heaven's Flow, I share more about that. Okay, so you can get that at the info table if you want to. Okay, so now I'll share more detail next week, but I just want to lay a foundation this week. The vision is Christ, the fullness of Christ. God in the house, God in our homes, God in our hearts. The fullness of Christ. What does it mean? You see, as I say, some parts of the body of Christ are trying to remove the fullness of Christ. They're like, no, it's no longer for today. There are no fivefold ministers anymore, or the apostolic isn't anymore, or prophetic isn't more, and there are no signs and wonders and miracles anymore. So they are embracing a partial Christ, and we like, God, we want all of you. All of you. So I was watching this video, or this movie, um, the, the uh, Apostle Paul. Oh, what's it called? The Apostle of Christ. Paul, the Apostle of Christ, something like that. And I was like halfway in, and I was, I was, it's a good movie, and they reveal a lot about the suffering of the early Christians and, and so forth, and they have flashbacks of Paul's life. But I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm like, this is so disappointing, because it's just miserable. <laughs> it's like all the Christians are just miserable <laughs> and powerless. And pitiful. That's the best word to describe. It's just like everything is just pitiful. Now, uh, please forgive me if you love the movie. Please forgive me. I'm just trying to explain where I'm coming from. I'm watching this movie. I put it off halfway. And I'm like, but God, when I read the Bible, I see Paul the apostle that went to cities. Yes, he was suffered. Yes, he was persecuted. But cities were turned around for Christ through signs and wonders and miracles. Cities with, I mean, that's when, when, when Paul and other guys came to some cities, it was like the, 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 the enemy said to them, the guys who turned the world upside down, they've come here as well. The guys who've turned the world upside down. This was who they were. And so I'm like, how can you guys rewrite the Bible? You remove every, any, any supernatural thing, any miracle. Jesus did miracles. The apostles did miracles. The saints did miracles. I mean, there was God was powerfully present. You see, that is fullness of Christ. And so that is something that I, I feel very strongly about. Because what I'm seeing in the church world currently is the moment they remove a church or a leader or Christians, the moment they remove the power of God from the equation, the church tends to die. When they remove the presence of God, the church tends to stagnate. And I love the church, the wider church of Jesus Christ. I'm like, God. And this is the the, the, the vision, the dream is uh, when we were in Brazil um, ministering there, I, was just, I got onto the stage. The Holy Spirit said to me, Andre, make my bride beautiful. Make my bride beautiful. What does it mean? The whole deal. And also not just signs and wonders and miracles. No, marriages that flourish, relationships that are real, people that truly care about one another. Because you get those as well. Woo, miracles, miracles, miracles. But there's no love. There's no relationship. Lives are falling apart. That's also not okay. The 
fullness of Christ. Amen. Come on, say the fullness of Christ. That's the vision. That's the vision. God in the house, in our hearts, in our homes. But then we need to believe that our God has not changed. He's still the same. He's not just powerful 2,000 years ago. He is powerful now. And He's not going to one day only be powerful. He is God right now. Amen. We have to believe it. There's a massive fight around these truths. There are people getting so confused about this. And my heart breaks. I'm like, guys, you're missing out. Because I know how my life has been transformed since 2012. We said, God, all of you, all of you, all of you, God, that is what we desire. You know, some, you know, without God, we are pitiful, but with God, we are powerful. It's Him through us, it's not us. Some Christians are only pitiful, and that's disappointing. It's just like, we, we are pitiful. We are without Him. So why do you want to settle there? No, man. There's more. But for us to move into that space, we need to set our hearts on the vision, the fullness of Christ. Not a a Christianity without Christ. Not a religiousness without real encounters with the living God. Lord, the vision is the fullness of Christ. And this is what we are about as a church. And we will never make an excuse for it. And we will never apologize for it. We will pursue the fullness of Christ. My question to you today is, and this is very important, for unity, you need to embrace that as well. For unity, you say, man, that's my mission as well. It's biblical. It's the passion. It's the heart of God. But are we going to listen to other voices that confuse us? Or we're going to get back to the scripture and just, just follow Jesus. Amen. So ending off with this verse, Hebrews 4, verse 14. So it says, so then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. Isn't that beautiful? We must cling. We must hold on to all that we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. Yes, pitiful. But he is not. And he wants to do wonderful things despite our frailty. You see, as I said last week, when we only have one option, Jesus then things change. You see, God Himself, nothing compares. He is better than anything this world can offer us. He is better than food. That's why we fasted. And we'll keep on fasting at times. He is better than the riches of this world. For He is our greatest treasure. Jesus Himself. He is better than the favor of man. Because nothing compares to pleasing Him. Jesus is the vision. He's better than life itself because He is our life. He, Jesus, is unmatched, unequaled, incomparable. He is our vision. He is our mission. He is our passion. Jesus. Lord, we don't want to do life. We don't want a church without you, God. 
We want you in the house. Whatever we trust to achieve in life is found in Him. The Word of God says, if the Lord doesn't build the house, the laborers labor in vain. The beautiful thing is when God is in the house, He does the heavy lifting. He does the big stuff. We can just focus on loving people. Jesus is the vision. How's that, how's that fire on the inside of you? That passion on the inside of you? Is that your ultimate goal? That the vision? Him. If not, come on, let's trust God to, to move that, to stir that in you. Everything flows from God Himself. And then He enables you and me to forgive. And then He enables us to, to, to humble ourselves. He enables us to, to bring our bit to the, to the table. I want to read this last verse. Sorry, I forgot about this one. John 17. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed. He said, just before he left, just before he ascended, he said, I do not pray for these only, my current disciples. I pray for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent. Are you seeing that last bit? Jesus said, that the world may believe, that the whole world may know that Jesus is the Son of God. Father, so that this can happen, make them one. Make them one. So when you and I stand in awe of God, in awe of Jesus, it's like we, our eyes are upon Him and Him alone. Then, then we are changed and suddenly we become one. So we want to make this our mission, our vision, our passion. Lord, this is the year of your presence. This is the year of dwelling in your presence. I want to invite you to join us in that pursuit. God, we want to dwell in your presence. God, we want to see you. Lord, we want to stand in awe of you. God, I want to contend for unity in my sphere of responsibility or sphere of influence in this church. And it starts with our, at home and with our marriages. We have this massive responsibility. Your heart. Massive responsibility. So I remember some years ago, because uh, if you don't know, ministry is not for sissies. Not for, not for sissies. But uh, some years ago, I was very offended. I was in Cape Town, and there were some issues with leaders. And Man, I was hurt. So I remember flying back, and uh, we were in Southernwood still, and we had a life group there in Southernwood, and now we're having a time of worship, the 20 or 30 of us, and I was battling. I was like, I'm not feeling the presence of God. I don't feel close to God. I am depressed, I am down, I am disillusioned, I am like, how can Christian leaders act like this? <laughs> no, we're supposed to be better, which is true, but I was so offended. And I remember in the midst of that time of worship, trying to get back into the presence of God, I was, I was dying on the inside, and then the Lord spoke to me so clearly, and I believe it's a word for some of us here today, the Lord said to me, the only reason you're disillusioned is because you're looking at man 
and not at me. The only reason. I was like, the only reason? I can, I can give you a few reasons. But the moment I heard the voice of God, my heart shifted back unto the Lord. And I was in His presence and I was just enjoying Him. And I, I knew, God, you've got this. Guys, church leaders will fail you. I will fail you. People around you will fail you. Don't allow anyone to keep you outside of the presence of God. Don't allow anything that anybody does to you or the way they disappoint you or hurt you or backstab you or whatever it might. Let no one keep you out of the presence of God. Put your eyes back onto Him. Jesus, you're my everything. I stand in awe of you. You've got this. I don't know how, but you've got this. You do the heavy lifting. You do the big stuff, but I just want to enjoy you. Jesus, you're the vision. You're my passion. You're my everything. I so want to encourage you to do this. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.